We're back. It's Engage Magazine on American Family Radio. Being a writer, I have always loved questions. And the questions that I love the most, honestly, have nothing to do with numbers because I hate math. I don't math at all. You don't math. I don't math. Um, I I became a writer so I could avoid numbers. Me too. But um, I love the questions that you don't immediately have an answer for that really take a lot of thought, that take a lot of study, that you actually have to go and talk to other people to get their perspective on it as well. And and one of the questions that we started the last segment out with uh, was, is there a difference between evangelism and missions? And Wesley and I uh, actually had this conversation off air, and neither one of us really came to a conclusion. So we said, you know what, we're going to bring somebody in. And Stedman Harrison, the CEO and missions director of Global Outreach, uh, is in studio with us. We're discussing that. But Gentlemen, there's something that we were just about to hit it at the close of the last segment. And if you missed that, you can always catch it, engagemagazine.net slash podcast. But how does money impact missions? Because there's several sides to this. Because you do have that sending church that's financially supporting. Right. You have the missionary who has to have money to survive, to eat, to have clothes, to do work. But it also kind of muddles money muddles missions yeah I think. absolutely so tell us first off how does a missionary approach receiving money because i know sometimes missionaries they hate asking for money yeah and uh and people back home are like really more money more right so it's a huge topic in any missionary orientation process so i'm speaking on behalf of global outreach but i would say every mission agency every member care support agency deals with this so um, when you come, one of the biggest issues we have to get over is that, that issue of how do I ask and what am I asking for? So we've really coached people. Um, it, it's about partnership. So yep. we have the opportunity to be in a place cross-culturally where other people can't necessarily be. And we're representatives, we're ambassadors, and we're ambassadors not only for Christ, but for the local church. So it's the church that sends, and we're actually, as a mission agency, we're supporting them in that sending. Uh, so the first thing that they have to deal with is, you know, how do I go and get enough donor support to make this uh, realistic? I've got to get enough money in the bank to make it through the first month, get the plane tickets, et cetera. That's tough. That's mm-hmm. really tough. Um, so uh, the the issue is, do you see it as partnership or do you see it as fundraising? We talk about partnership. Right, right. And I, one of the things I was thinking about, I have a friend that was on, uh, he and his family were called a full-time missionaries in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> and, um, and I... The square mile they lived in, or they still live in, is the second most diverse square mile in all of America. Clarkston. Clark, yeah, yeah Clarkston. absolutely. And so uh, it reached a point, though, to where his um, funds, if you will, didn't match up with their the, just their, their and they needs. were their needs, yeah. or what it was. And so they became half and half. They worked, full, they worked, they worked pretty much a full time sure. job to supplement. Then, what are they? I mean, they, you know what I mean? Yeah, bivocational uh, mission. Yeah, fold. and I think there's some th- some people that would say, oh, well, that's not true missions. And if you're working, then you're not really doing that. Mi- and and please hear the sarcasm in that. Yeah, yeah. And that's definitely a hot button for me because you know I'm a, a businesses missions guy. I mean, I really support the idea that when possible, use the gifts and talents you have. Um, plug in. So if you've got an expertise, you can be an engineer, but be an excellent engineer in a place like Dubai with all kinds of cross-cultural opportunities right at your fingertips. Um, This issue about being bivocational, uh, I think one thing that we have to be realistic with is how much money does it actually take? We have to drop a budget and say, what's what's realistic in that place? And budget in things like vacation. I mean, we we were talking about this off air, but 
Um, one of the things that we see pushing people towards burnout is just not taking time back and away mm-hmm. with family. Um, but people don't want to fund the Disney World vacation, right? Or the, the safari. And yet it's really critical for those folks that are in full-time missions um, to be able to step back and, and tank up the engine. And what I like to call, we do we go on a family vacation once once a year, most of the time to the beach, sometimes other places, and we, we go for about seven or eight days. And I call that an extended Sabbath. There you go. <laughs> I mean, you can call Sabbath it a vacation, rest. and that's true. But the, for us, that's what it is. Now, you know, when I was younger, there was a lot more um, fun going on. There was a lot more of that. But as I grew up older, I began to realize, like, this is a time with work, with uh, missions, everything else that I got going on. Right. This is a time for me to reset. And so that that, that goes to, to the point that these missionaries are full-time missionaries or bivocational missionaries. They need to be able to have that that time to uh, to reset just as just as I would right. being um, a non-full-time missionary. Right. They need to be able to reset. So Yeah, there's an article online. Uh, I've actually seen a couple of these since I read this first one. It was from 2014. It's called 10 Things That Your Missionary Will Not Tell You. Mm. Um, and one of the things that he puts in there, mentioning vacation, he said, I, I will take my kids on a vacation and never tell you my sending church. Right. Um, and, and this particular guy, his father had passed away. And he received an inheritance. And so, and it was a sizable inheritance. He says, and there was $19,000. And so he rented a house next to Disney World for a week and treated his family. Uh, the first time they'd been in the States in four years, sure. they went, did not tell a soul. And I thought, how heartbreaking. No because, Facebook pictures. Right. When I take my kids to Disney World, the world's going to know <laughs> yes, us. Absolutely. All right. Right. But I was, I, and so that got me thinking, you know, the relationship that the church has toward the missionary. One of the ways that the church can support the missionary is to say, hey, here's some extra money. Take your family on a vacation. Absolutely. And then let us know how it was. We want to know. We want to know how you're doing spiritually. We want to know how you're doing physically and not not allow, not give room for the missionary to feel, oh, am I going to be judged for this? Yeah. And I think one of the things that's behind that is we put them on a pedestal, right? We treat our missionaries as superhuman and they're, they're not. So they're regular people. Um, they need the same things, like you said, that we mm. need for Sabbath, for sabbatical, for rest. And, we, you know, we need to recognize that and actually budget towards that for them. Um, a lot of missionaries won't actually put money towards retirement. Um, they won't think about 401ks. That's really at a disadvantage for them. They come back from the field after years abroad, and they're starting at ground zero. Right, because they have no car, no exactly. house, no savings. That's I mean, right. They're starting, like you said, literally from yeah. ground zero. So uh, let's talk for just a second, because uh, this is a conversation I don't know that I've ever had a part of. How can we help a missionary come back home? So th- we call it reentry, and it is mm-hmm. as difficult, if not more, than going overseas. And we forget about it because of the idea is, oh, you're just coming back. Well, back is like, for us, um, back to a geography. What the people actually going through that process think about is going almost back in time because they want to pick up where they left off, but time has marched on. Um, I will tell you, coming back from the field after six years abroad, uh, America had changed remarkably. So um, all kinds of things. You know, people are asking me about, have you been to such and such restaurant? That chain didn't even exist when I went to the field. So there's a, a whole reentry process that we really want to coach people through so that they're healthier on the other side of that. They need debrief. They need time to talk about the place that they were. And I'll tell you, I've been a part of that conversation where I'm talking about Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, this faraway place, and the eyes get glazed over. And I realize, oh, that was my bandwidth. That was as much as that person could take <laughs> wow. on my stories. 
but they need a place to talk See, about it. And, and the thing is, it doesn't have to be you know six or ten or twelve years that someone's been overseas. Right. Um, when my dad has been on four deployments in the military, mm. and every time he's left, he's been gone for nine to twelve months in each right. deployment. When he comes back, our family's different. Sure, he came back from one deployment and met the man that my my sister was going to marry. Wow. He came back from another deployment and met my the, the woman that I was going to marry. Wow, yeah. Um so things change quickly. Absolutely. Um and one of the things again that this article mentioned was this guy um met his son, he was speaking, um it had come to the states on furlough. His son came drove from college to just see him and said, "All right, well dad, um you know, I I've, I've got to go back to class. Uh I'll see you in what 4 years?" Yeah. And he broke down. Can you imagine? And just cry. I mean, that that whole idea is just, you know, it, it's fascinating to me that that's what missionaries go through. Good. Absolutely. I hop in there and give us your website real quick. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, remember that we've got some great resources, globaloutreach.org. So if reentry is something that you're interested in, you're going to find some details there. Um, again, we think about sending. We, we, we think about helping people thrive on the mission field and then returning whole. We want people to actually come back and be in a better place than when they left. Mm -hmm. Um, They've grown and changed. We've grown and changed. We need to meet them in the middle, figure out where they are. And and AFA, AFR, and Engage is very excited about the work that Global Outreach is doing, not only because they are in our our hometown here and we get to meet with them and get to see what they're doing uh, firsthand, but also just because of the work they're doing. We're grateful for them. And we've part. You've heard their name before because we've partnered with them in their their annual conference. That's that, right. It's an yeah. annual one, right? Yeah, Once a right. year, local conference. We've been a part of it. I had the opportunity two years ago. Nick Dean, our writer, had an opportunity to do a breakout session this past year. I had an opportunity to represent, engage, and do a breakout session. So we're grateful for the work they're doing. Now, man, we got about we got about four, three and a half minutes left here. So I wanted to get into something as it relates to this topic, sure. and that's. How does someone, because we have hounded and we make sure our our audience knows that as a Christian, we are all called to missions. Right. And that's as part of a lifestyle. That's who we are. That's what we do. We, we've set aside our old self for old desires and our new desires are for Christ and for his, his kingdom and for righteousness. But how does someone distinguish or know and under, obviously, we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but how sure. do we, what are some keys that we can look at that, to know if we're called to full-time missionaries? Sure. In terms of that career overseas, terms of a career. Um, stepping into another culture, even if it's here in the United States. Yeah, leaving, leaving so, your... So I, I think we hear from people who um, either it was a Sunday school class moment growing up where they saw a missionary and they felt that call early on mm-hmm. uh, to people who recently have heard something like they're hearing today on the radio right. and said, you know what? I have this prompting of the Holy Spirit. I need to look into this. And what we say is look into it further. Like, you know, find a missionary, talk to them about their work, um, find out what your church is already doing in missions and get plugged in. Uh, The idea, though, is the the world has come to our back door. And I really want to emphasize this. You don't have to get on an airplane these days to be a part of full-time missions. We've got someone right now working in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, working with 100 Syrian families. Mm, So think about the opportunity. But all of these Syrian refugees that have come to the United States, uh, again, here even in our backyard, Yemen, uh, Morocco, um, Jordan, well represented, and we just need to reach out to them. So it's about building relationships and finding that bridge. And more of us can be doing that bridge building. Uh, It's about asking where somebody's from and listening a little bit and finding a connection to it. Amen. You know, we love talking about technology and we love talking about the use of technology. How has 
modern technology. We talked about how people can Skype, sure. uh, you know, get back home. But how has technology changed the face of missions and how we uh, get involved? Both good and bad. Yeah, good and bad. <laughs> uh, well, one, it's brought, uh, it brought us closer in, in community and connection. Um, language is still a big barrier, but I will say people are using technology to bridge that. Um, English as a second language training is taking place right now for all kinds of people in China, all kinds of people in the Middle East that speak Arabic. And that's a huge bridge. So think about the the actual language training capacity. Um, I know people who came to the truth of the gospel, came to reading the word of God and understanding who the Lord Jesus Christ was by Skype. Uh, actually, people were taking them to church. These were people from Egypt that were actually seated in churches. Oh, wow. You know, it's midnight their time, and they're on a Sunday morning here um, hearing the gospel, and they're hearing it uh, broadcast via Skype. Um, technologies and tools like that are growing, and people will send, like, sections of, of passages via WhatsApp. So can you imagine taking a chapter from John, sending it overseas to somebody via WhatsApp, free tool, and they get to actually read the Word of God. And you can do it in their own language. It's a cut and paste. You just have to have the relationship door open so that they can actually read the Word. Especially if it's harder to get a Bible yeah. uh, wherever they may be. Absolutely. That's that's incredible. Now, uh, we have just a few minutes left. And, and you know, and our focus is uh, young adults, is millennials. How do millennials view missions? And is it any different than older generations, how they viewed it? Well, I'm, I'm getting older. You see the gray and the, <laughs> the beard here. I, I will say, you know, when I graduated from high school, people went to Europe and they took the URL train and sure. went to see the big churches. Mm-hmm. I see a change. People are looking for significance in their Christian walk. And I think this is something you guys are working on, um, that engagement. And people want to be part of gospel truth, going to the nations. And so rather than going to Europe, people are going to Africa, they're going to um, Latin America, they're going to Asia, and those are growing by the thousands. So we're seeing students stepping up and stepping out. So what about you? How are you being involved in missions right now? How are you being involved in evangelism? If you want to get involved, there's a great resource. It's globaloutreach.org. We're going to have that link on Engage Magazine. Check it out. And if the Holy Spirit has prompted you, don't let it go. Amen. Wrestle with the Spirit. Refuse to let go. And until next week, whether it's at home or abroad, share truth and apply Scripture.